Today we're talking to the Scott Poor animal rescue hero and the man behind Mission Driven, looking at one of our favorite rescues for older dogs and more here on Pet Resource Radio. From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, I'm Sierra Howe. And I'm Dave Shapiro. Welcome to Pet Resource Radio. Uh, we are recording from deep in the heart of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. Uh, we are a nonprofit organization that works to keep pets and people together through supportive services for folks that are in need um, and for folks that uh, aren't in need. Do you want to come over here and get your vaccinations? You come on over and get your vaccinations. All that money goes back into the program so that we can help other folks. So here's the deal. We are, how are you doing, by the way, Sierra? I'm lovely. How are you, friend? I'm doing just fine. We've had a few things happen since our last episode. Namely, we started doing surgeries again on the day that our first episode dropped, and we couldn't be happier. Um, our drive-up vac- drive vaccination services provided a wonderful template for us to have a drive-up, drop-off uh, pet surgery Um situation that that has been working out really really well for us and i'll be honest with you i've missed the noise and and all the the sounds and smells of of pets being back in i miss going into the cat room and seeing uh what friends i have i'm a cat person i'm sorry um and i think it's been really great yeah i agree i have to agree so, you know, this is our last episode before we head into the 4th of July weekend. And, of course, 4th of July is going to be a little bit different this year because people are going to be social distancing. Some people will be social distancing. But uh, we thought we would provide you with some pet tips here at the top. So, first off, fireworks aren't a lot of fun for pets. The noise can freak them out or make them disoriented. Um, I know that you have some experience with that, Sierra. Yes, my little girl, maybe. I adopted her from Wayside a couple of years ago, and she absolutely dreads this holiday or any holiday where there's fireworks. And I, even when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, I was not expecting. Well, I should have. That's on me. But I came home and she was absolutely distressed. So I make sure to hang out with her on this day just to keep her comfortable and yep. whatnot. And that's a good way to do it. Honestly, um, the best thing to do, they say, is to find a nice, quiet place then to relax. Um, someplace sometimes with some quiet music and familiar objects that can keep them feeling safe. And that's the truth. You know, things that smell like you um, that will provide them with some sort of comfort can actually do a lot to, to mitigate that stress. Um, in addition, giving them a good workout the day of might make them tired enough that they don't worry about the noise too much. Um, but also, even if you're not lighting off fireworks, if it's the daytime and you've decided that you won't shoot fireworks off in the daytime and you'll wait till the nighttime like you're supposed to do, I mean, even though it's illegal, um, that you should keep them away from pets because they're going to contain a bunch of toxic chemicals and heavy metals that aren't going to be good for their system. Um, it's just best just to keep them away from pets, generally speaking. Another thing to watch out for is human foods. I know it can be tempting if you're cooking to toss Fido or we don't call them Fido anymore. There's no more Fidos. Um, There's a lot it? of Bellas okay, and a Bellas. lot of Lokis if you're looking for Lokis. Um, yeah. Name. If you, it can be tempting to toss Bella or uh, Loki or Khaleesi 
a little human treat. But there are a fair amount of human foods that, if they're not poisonous, they can at the very least cause intestinal distress, especially in older pets. And um, make sure if you're lighting a fire or torch or even just a citronella candle that you're keeping it someplace that your pet can't get to. Uh, apart from the potential toxicity, fire and fur don't mix. Um, yeah. Fire and skin also don't mix. So let's just, let's just keep the fire away. How about that? And then finally, don't apply any kind of insect repellent or sunscreen on your pet that isn't specifically approved for them because it can cause major problems. Human things are hu formulated for humans. Uh, pet things are formulated for pets. Uh, and never the twain shall meet. And one thing that I meant to mention up top and did not is the fact that, you know, um, 4th of July and New Year's Eve are, are the two biggest days for pets to go missing. Um, so, and that's because they get freaked out by fireworks. So, um, you know, if you're outside with your dog, make sure that they're on a leash. Um, even if you're in your own yard, a fence isn't necessarily going to stop them. If yeah, they're real freaked out. That's I put maybe on a leash too because I just don't want to take any chances and I want to make sure that she's by my side and she doesn't have to worry about, you know, being scared and lonely and all these big loud noises going on around her. So yeah. Or if you even see a pet that's running loose that's not yours and you can tell it's really distressed and it's trying to find a place to go hide, you can call animal control or, you know, if you're able to try and you know, get that dog yourself and just get it to a safe place until the holiday passes and then, you know, work on finding its owner. Yep, so. exactly. And that's another thing, too. Make sure your pets are, are microchipped. So if they do get away, that's your best chance of, uh, of being reunited with them. And, hey, we know who does microchipping. Oh, gosh, we do that here. Yes. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, anyway, um, cough, cough, 816-353-0940. Um, so those are your pet tips, and now I think we should head into a little bit of pet news. What do you think? I think that sounds fabulous. So it's no secret that pets are a part of the family, and what some researchers at NC State and Duke University discovered is that not only do we share our lives with our pets, but we also share other things, too, that can be potentially damaging, like exposure to household toxicants. Now, when we say toxicants, we don't mean toxins, which refers to naturally occurring harmful chemicals like snake venom and the like. We mean toxicants, which refers to harmful chemicals produced by humans or created by humans. What they were looking for were three classes of environmental toxicants often found in human blood and urine, namely pesticides, flame retardants, and phthalates, which are found in things like plastic food packaging and personal care products. 30 pets and their owners were given silicone monitoring devices to wear for five days to help researchers determine the level of environmental toxicants were exposed to every day. Dogs wore collars and humans wore wristbands. So the question now is, how does this help us? What they found was a huge correlation between exposure levels in dogs and humans. And Catherine Wise, a PhD candidate at NC State and the lead author of the paper says, we know that many human diseases caused by environmental exposure are similar clinically and biologically to those found in dogs. She goes on to say that the, the effects from environmental exposure that may take decades to show up in humans can occur much more quickly in dogs as little as one to two years. Professor Matthew Breen, a corresponding author on the paper, added, if we develop ways to correlate dog disease with their exposures over time, it may give human health professionals the opportunity to mitigate these exposures for both species. And that, friends, sounds good to us. 
Now let's check in with Dave Shapiro, who talked to our dear friend Scott Poor earlier this week. If you follow Animal Welfare in Kansas City, you likely know today's guest already. He's been featured on everything from the Dodo to the Hallmark Channel to Inside Edition, and he's featured in the May-June issue of Best Friends Animal Society magazine. And why is that? Because he's the guy who helps the quote-unquote unadoptables get adopted and motivates his fans to not only support local pet organizations through fundraisers and donation drives, but to help raise awareness through the sale of clothing through his company, Mission Driven. He's the man on a mission, the one and only Scott Poor. Scott, welcome to Pet Resource Radio. Thank you so much for having me. First, let's talk a little about the origin of Mission Driven. You made a big change in your life to make this happen, didn't you? Yeah, you know, when I left corporate America and, you know, took a little break to try to kind of, you know, quote unquote, find myself, I spent a lot of time at the animal shelter volunteering. I fell in love with that world. And to be honest with you, I wanted to be able to dedicate my life to helping homeless pets, but the only way to do that was creating my own path. Um, you know, if I were, would have worked for an animal shelter, um, which I did briefly, but I, I wouldn't be able to go around and help animals from different organizations. So I knew that I would have to create my own path. And to be honest, I didn't even know what that path would be. But a close friend of mine saw me one time. I made some T-shirts just for charity, wanted to donate the money from the sales. And he said, you know, that went really well for you. Why don't you start a T-shirt company? And I, I, jokingly, I kind of thought to myself, I've never run a business. I don't know anything about clothing companies. You know, uh, about you know, 80% of my clientele are female. I definitely don't know anything about women's clothing. And it was really scary, but he pushed me and drove me into wanting to start that business because I knew that I could control my destiny if I had my own business, especially an online business. And I knew that with my work ethic, I would make it successful, you know, no matter what, because it, it meant everything to me. It wasn't just about having a successful clothing line or making money. It meant I can help homeless pets as long as this business grows. And that was my driving force. That was everything to me. And that still is to today. You're known for being in the shelter, bringing attention to pets that have a hard time getting adopted. What kind of pets does that usually mean? You know, my when I left corporate America and I started volunteering, one of the things that I noticed was even though every animal shelter looks different, every single one of them has the same row of kennels. And at the end of that row of kennels is always that one dog. Um, I say that one dog, meaning it's the one that's been there the longest. It's got uh, more signs up than, than any other dog. And what I mean by signs is it's going to say, you know, no kids, no cats, no dogs, staff only. Mm -hmm. And I, I became obsessed in a, in a healthy way of trying to figure out why organizations, even though I understand they're protecting uh, the animal, but why were they focusing on what's wrong with the animal when even an animal with that many challenges has to have some positive things going? And that was really a pivotal time for me because not only did I want to help uh, homeless pets in general, I wanted to really dial in and find something specific where I could make a difference. And that's uh, a pretty powerful moment for me in the, in the decision to really focus on long-term shelter pets. Mm. Now, I've heard rumors, uh, some nefarious rumors, that Scott Poor doesn't like cats. Is there anything you want to say to that? Oh, my gosh. I love cats. I love kittens. Um, I have an allergy that I've been fighting with my whole life. And to be honest with you, um, I spent about three years with my doctor, with an allergist. And the conclusion, finally, after taking every medication known to man to try to cure that was 
that you got to stay away from cats. Um, cats, fish, and peanuts apparently are my uh, the the wow. trifecta of items. Wow, and wow. it breaks my heart though because I genuinely love cats. Um, I get a lot of people that say you know send me messages and say you got to help more cats. And I do try to promote cats. Um, I just can't be in the video with them. It will like 15 minutes with a cat will basically shut my eyes for about 24 hours. Yeah, I've seen you. I've seen you in in the cat room at Wayside a couple of times. So right. yeah, I can I can definitely speak to that. It's not good, but I love my cats. So I know you work with a lot of organizations. You work with us and you work with uh, Wayside and you work with a lot of rescues. How do you balance working with the needs of so many different organizations? How do you allocate your efforts? That's a great question. I, when I first started, um, you know, when I left the corporate scene, started volunteering, I actually took a job with Great Plains SPCA. And that's where I really started kind of shooting those promotional videos of long-term pets. And, um, I really started gaining some success in regards to finding homes for some of those dogs. So while I was working there, I had all these other groups uh, reach out to me and say, hey, you know, we've got this dog, we've got this cat, we've been trying for a year and a half and, and whatever we're doing isn't working and we'd love for you to shoot a video. And that was, um, I, I, I love that. I mean, I took that as a huge compliment and, you know, I'm so driven to want to help, you know, every animal that I can, but it was tough working for one organization and also, you know, trying to shoot promotional videos so um, I really opened up that door when I left Great Plains SPCA and you know asking me how do I balance it um, every year I gain about 20,000 new followers and I say that not you know don't pat me on the back I'm not saying that with arrogance what I mean is like it's just a building growing network of people that believe in what I'm doing they see that I'm doing something a little different and I think more important than that they love the fact that I work I'm, I'm on an island but I work with every organization and I love that that's my dream is to be able to work with every organization because every one of them has that one cat or dog um, but when you ask me how do I balance it it's not easy it's challenging social media is the best and worst thing that could have ever happen to me <laughs> um, incredibly time-consuming but it's also my most powerful tool when it comes to help uh, helping long-term shelter pets so I wouldn't give it up for anything and how do I balance it you know some some days it looks good and some days it doesn't <laughs> Um, is there any type of interaction with a pet that you find to be the most rewarding, like like when you make a breakthrough with a scared dog or something like that? Yeah, you know, something that, that is really, really important to me and I've done for the last pre, I mean, pre up to COVID basically I've done is I take a different shelter dog from a different uh, shelter home almost every night. And the ones that I take home are ones that fit the criteria of recently surrendered you know, absolutely heartbroken over the loss of, you know, leaving their family, um, abuse and neglect cases, mm -hmm. um, shy and fearful, um, you know, seized by the police, basically animals that are not doing well. And what I like to do is get them in my house for 24 hours. It's not about um, entertaining them. In fact, most cases, it's all about decompression for them. I just want them to sleep comfortably. But it also gives me some insight on those animals because nine times out of 10, eventually that's gonna be the long-term shelter pet because they have the most trauma. So I love it, I'm obsessed with it. My dog Leo has no idea that he's doing this, but a lot of times those dogs come in and maybe they come from an abuse case and they don't like guys. Guys have let them down, guys have hurt them. Um, and I'll actually put them in a room with Leo. And like I said, Leo may not know he's doing anything, but he helps them build confidence. He lets them know they're safe. Um, you know, he's uh, as big of a gift as I could have ever had and he plays a huge role in my rescue. But yeah, those are generally the ones that I'm drawn to. 
Um, you know, the, the, the ones that are highly adoptable, they got a lot of advocates, you know, out there uh, mm -hmm. trying to help them. It's the ones that have been there the longest that, uh, that I think need my help. Yeah. Do you have a, a favorite story of a shelter pet that you've worked with? You know, I, I've got quite a few that I've helped and I've, I, I grew very close to. Um, you know, I used to, there, there, there's been so many, and, and there's a couple that I think of in the past, but I'll be honest with you, the one that's that's really have the most meaningful to me is there's a dog that I found out about named Ginger who was at an animal shelter in the Lake of the Ozarks, and I started having people tag me on Ginger's story, and I get tagged on, you know, hundreds of animals right, a, right. a day, and it's heartbreaking, and it's hard to keep up, but for some reason, that ginger story really stuck with me so i did my homework as i always do you know research the organization research the story the dog find out why have they been there that long and after about an hour i realized ginger had lived in that animal shelter for seven years wow. she was an eight-year-old dog she was um you know pretty much institutionalized because she didn't know what life was like outside that shelter and i even asked them at one point i said so surely a volunteer has taken this dog home a staff member just to know you know can she go upstairs is she potty trained and they said actually no we've never had anybody take her out of there so that one hit me really really hard and i just you know put my foot on the gas in regards to finding out everything i could and really pushing ginger's story hard on social media and i did a couple of videos and the second video that i did went viral and it was only gosh a week later that we found not just a home because i'm really big on you know i can find a home for any dog mm -hmm. but the dogs that i work with need almost the perfect home because the worst thing you can ever do is take a dog like that put him in a home and take him out and put him back in the shelter right so we found ginger literally a perfect home and that one is just uh you know, prior to that, the dog that I'd helped that lived in a shelter the longest was maybe three, four years at the most, which is an eternity, but seven years down at the yeah. Ozarks. It's a rural shelter. They don't have the foot traffic that the big shelters have. So that's probably the one that's going to stick with me for a long time and the one I'm most proud of. That's fantastic. Um, what do you attribute your success to? I mean, there are a lot of people, I think, that try to do this work and, and maybe aren't able to leverage things in the way that you are, what do you think makes your situation special? I, you know, I've, I've, I've answered that question differently probably once a year for the last five years just because of the evolution of kind of what's going on in my world and the growth. I, I don't, you know, I jokingly say I don't have an owner's manual for, for what I'm doing. I kind of wish I did some days because, you know, I didn't plan on this life. I love this life and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. But, you know, five years ago when I shot my first video of a homeless pet, I just wanted to help that one homeless pet. Like right. that was literally all it came down to. Now, fast forward five years, you know, I would say there's two things that um, probably stick out the most. Number one is my, my, my work ethic. I, you know, I, I, I've, I've always had, thanks to my, my parents, a good work ethic, but I've never had the ethic I've had like I do now because I'm doing something I'm so passionate about. That's huge to me. I had a good work ethic when I was in sales and I was trying to make money, but it's different. You know, this is I'm changing lives and and I don't take that lightly. I, I, I take that as as something that's that's pretty amazing. And I'm very, very honored to be able to do it. Um, but also and this is huge. This is everything to me. I don't accomplish anything by myself. Um, the social media world that surrounds me is my family. Um, it's a huge group of people that are just as compassionate as I am. They want to make the difference that I'm trying to make. 
but maybe their life doesn't allow them to do that. So they use my platform. And I'm telling you, man, I, I am so thankful for every single person that follows me and follows my journey and, and helps these animals because it's, you never know, you could have 25 friends on your Facebook list, but what if we have a dog like Ginger and one of your friends is a good match? Like that's what this is all about. Right. And I'm just super honored. And like I said, proud of the people that surround me because it's one big mission-driven family as far as I'm concerned. So where does your love of pets come from? And has there ever been um, a pet that is that is your pet, your special pet that you that has influenced you? Right. I mean, you know, grew up with dogs, didn't grow up with cats. Probably a good thing with my allergy. Yeah, probably yeah. would have found out about it earlier, though. But honestly, I would say, you know, I was your typical person that grew up with a dog. It was, uh, you know, I loved my dog. But um, I never saw a future. I never saw, you know, this particular dog in my childhood is going to pave the way for me to do what I'm doing now. Um, I honestly felt like, you know, I volunteered for probably five years prior to all this. But when I volunteered, and I hope this, this little story here inspires some people, I would go in once a month. I would walk a couple of dogs. I didn't know what I was doing. I was intimidated. I was scared to ask questions. And I would leave, and I'd get home, and I'd be like, did I really do anything to help this animal shelter? And it was all just because I was uncomfortable. It's easy to be uncomfortable in an environment like that. But you know, I'm thankful that I kind of dove right in, and I asked questions when I was doing my uh, my hiatus from my corporate career. And I was proud that I, you know, I found something inside that animal shelter that I knew I would be good at because everybody's got something. I mean, it could be doing laundry. It could be, you know, cleaning cat kennels out. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is as long as you do something. And my current dog would probably the, be the one that, you know, has, has played the biggest role in my animal rescue because we work side by side. Leo is um, not only a huge part of my life, but, you know, Leo is, we, we were fortunate. Somebody wrote a children's book about Leo and I, about the way that we choose to try to help and rescue animals. Um, Leo's kind of a, an ambassador. Leo also looks like a $4,000 dog you'd buy at Petland. And I got Leo at an animal shelter. And I love that because it's always a conversation conversation starter. I get people that say, I love your animal rescue work, but it's kind of weird you got that Petland looking dog. When I tell them that Petland looking dog was surrendered to an animal shelter when he was four months old, he was tied to a tree in the middle of the night because they didn't want to pay a surrender fee. So that Petland dog, that that teddy bear looking stuffed animal that I have, um, is an ambassador for homeless pets and it shows you you can get any breed you want if you try hard enough in a shelter yeah. or a rescue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what's on the horizon for you? What's What's coming up next? Yeah, that's that's another great question because it changes a little bit on a daily basis. You know, my personal goals are I want to continue to focus on the longest term animals in every building. I want to be able to work with everybody and I want to grow my reach. I've got followers outside of the Kansas City area that are asking me to come help animals in their communities. And I really want to be able to do that. I would love to continue to try to grow my clothing line because my clothing line, even though it's not a 501c3, it funds everything that I do in rescue. It's so important to me and my dog. It puts food in our bowls, uh, but it also, like I said, funds my trips when I go somewhere, um, funds my f uh, photo shoots when I have to get a photographer. You know, it's expensive to do all that stuff. And I, um, I use my brand for that. So I want to continue to grow that brand. I want to turn it into a, such a sustainable business that I can bring somebody on to help run that. Because my dream of all dreams is to have a successful business that helps me 
fund my way, but I want to be on the road, man. I want to go five, six, seven days a week. I want to travel. I want to start by going to, you know, Oklahoma. I want to go to St. Louis. I want to go to Lincoln, Nebraska. I want to go to Des Moines, Iowa, and, and start broadening my window of animals and shelters because it's not just about helping those long-term pets. That's my heart and soul. But while I'm there, I introduce a hundred thousand followers to organizations that they didn't even know existed. I hopefully bring on new followers through their social media, um, new monetary, you know, donors for them. Hopefully there's a dog or two that gets adopted through my network and somebody drives from Kansas city to Iowa to pick up a dog. And to me, it kind of is a full circle deal. I want to help that animal. I want to help that organization. I want to bring awareness to them because I really focus on lesser known groups, rural groups, smaller groups, mm -hmm. groups that don't have volunteers, don't have a lot of money, um, don't have the resources to help long-term shelter pets. So, I mean, big picture, I want to grow that and eventually, you know, be as far away from Kansas City as I can, maintaining my roots, though, here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Scott Ford, thank you so much for being on Pet Resource Radio today. We're really glad to have you. Thank you for having me. I love you guys. Imagine a place where old dogs, sick dogs, abused dogs, abandoned dogs, and unwanted dogs all came together to rest, to live, to play, and snuggle. That's the start of the mission statement for Always and Forever Midwest Animal Sanctuary located in Spring Hill, Kansas. It's a renovated horse barn that is outfitted with all the comforts of a home, but for pets that don't have a home. And man, is it a nice home. There's so many couches. It's like doggy heaven. Couches, recliners, the whole nine yards. Um, Jennifer Dulski, the founder and president of the sanctuary, came to Kansas City just a few short years ago with her two rescue dogs, Muggsy and Libby. She'd always wanted to create a sanctuary for elderly dogs that were languishing in the shelters with no home in their final years when all they really wanted was comfort and rest and love. And it wasn't easy by any means, but she made this dream happen in the form of Always and Forever. And so far, they've saved over 500 dogs. And if you want to learn more about them, head over to Always and Forever. Forever spelled F-U-R-E-V-E-R -E -E dot love. You can also check out their adoptable pups. I'm not in the market right now for a pup, but I mean, even though I scroll constantly looking through photos of adoptable pets online, but if I was, I'd be looking right at Gidget, a beautiful 12-year-old cattle Australian cattle dogs, sorry, with very, very sweet eyes. We have a special place in our heart for folks who do right by older pets because they're often left languishing in shelters because people would rather, rather have a, a little pup. And while pups are cute and no one's going to argue with you about that, there really is a special kind of awesome that comes from taking in an older pet. And now it's time to say goodbye, friends. Thanks again to Scott Poor for joining us today. Be sure to join us again in two weeks when our guest will be our very own Dr. Nichols. He'll be talking to us about heartworm, why it's so dangerous, and how you can prevent it. And we want to say here at the end that uh, we, know we are part of a nonprofit organization, so we are always taking donations. And everything that you donate goes to help uh, pets and people stay together. Uh, through supportive services like vaccinations and spay-neuter surgeries, now that we're doing those again. So you can head over to prckc.org, and you can just donate right there. Just click a button and go right there and just put your info in, and we got you. And it, and it doesn't have to be just a monetary donation. We do accept unopened packages of dog or cat food, gently used collars or toys, yep. anything that may be laying around your house that your pet 
doesn't have a use for anymore, might have grew out of, it could help another pet in need that's in our community. Exactly. And if you're listening to this podcast via your favorite podcast app, go ahead and subscribe and write us a review. That helps people find us. You can follow us on Twitter at PRR Podcast and on Facebook, just search for Pet Resource Radio. You can just search for us wherever, to be honest with you, and you'll find us. Got show ideas or things you want to know about? Feel free to email us at podcast at prckc.org. And so until next time, tail wags and purrs to you and yours. And as the science fiction author Charles Yu said, if I could be half the person my dog is, I'd be twice the human I am. And as the director Jean Cocteau said, I love cats because I enjoy my home, and little by little, they become its visible soul. Take care. Pet Resource Radio is a production of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, co-hosted by Sierra Howe and myself, David Shapiro, produced, engineered, and edited by David Shapiro, music by Hazel Rob Musical Industries, a.k.a. me. More info at soundcloud.com slash Musical Industries.